I'm David Smith, and you're listening to the Faith in Teaching podcast from the Kaiser Institute for Christian Teaching and Learning at Calvin University. In this series, we'll be talking with researchers and educators who are working to understand how Christian faith affects teaching, learning, and the way we do education. I'm sitting here this afternoon with uh, Faith and Guru, who's visiting us as one of the plenary speakers at the Kaiser Institute Conference, and who's come to us from another Christian university that's a little further away than for some of the people who are coming to the conference. So, Faith, tell us, tell us where you're from, where your uni- university is, what your, what your background is. I come from Kenya, and I teach at a university called Daystar University which has two campuses, one in Nairobi and one in Nathi River, with about 4,500 students from certificate to diploma to bachelor's to master's and to PhD programs in some of the areas and uh, growing strong and has been growing since 1974 when it was established. So, so what's your role at the moment in the, in the university? It sounded like you were wearing a bunch of different hats. <laughs> at the university, I am the deputy vice chancellor, I think equivalent of provost here, in charge of academic affairs, research, and student affairs. That's quite a bit to juggle. Sounds like your weeks <laughs> must be quite long. <laughs> it is, uh, because uh, academic affairs, we have six schools in the university, many programs, of course, one are looking at the teaching, the learning, examinations, certification. For research, we coordinate the faculty research and grants that are written by faculty. And student affairs is everything from sports to student welfare, student discipline, and many such related activities. And there are many student government and uh, we try to use all those opportunities to to help students form a kind of Christian character, mm-hmm. uh, which is the mission of the university. So, so is is character a, a particular focus in terms of the way you work out the Christian identity of the university? Yes, it is, because uh, I think when people think about Christian university, there are some expectations. They expect students, for example, to behave in a certain way so that that faith is expressed in certain moral behavior is expected of the students. They also expect that students would be good, at least in leading Bible studies, in leading worship, in being positive in the community. So that's the kind of character development uh, that we emphasize, particularly during our chapel services and the kind of spiritual formation activities that we have around campus. So is this something that all of the faculty would be involved in? Would 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 every faculty member see character development as part of their responsibility? I'm sure they read about it when they are inducted into the teaching mm-hmm. position. But the question of how to do it is a big one because some of them don't necessarily know how to do it, especially in the classroom. They, they are learning and they are willing to learn matters of bringing faith into the content that they teach in the class. But in terms of being a model Christian and in discipling, I think that one they are, they are better able to. So do you, do you, do you run uh, training for the faculty in, in these areas after they, after they join? Uh, we do, but not as strongly as we would like to. It takes a long time 
for for some of them to be inducted and especially where we don't have enough full-time faculty the part-time faculty come from different universities and the, some of them just come and teach and leave right. so they don't have that great opportunity to get involved into the whole ethos of the university and that's a problem with right. most of the christian education institutions Right. What what are the reasons for the for the for the turnover in in terms of the you know faculty coming and going? What what creates that instability? The full time staff stay mm-hmm. on campus. It's just that there are not as many as the part time right. lecturers. Right. The ratio of full time to part time sometimes can be very high right. in some departments where right. you may have only two or three full time staff, and the rest are all part time staff. And the reason is. Uh, in a way economic, that the university cannot afford to hire as many full-time staff as we would like to. And it is, in a way, what one would consider cheaper to keep part-time lecturers because you don't have to pay all the things around their salary. You just pay for the, for the class they teach. Right. Yeah. Can you think of any particularly um, sort of striking examples of kind of where it's working? Like, are, are, there, are there any exa- stories or examples of, of where you feel like the, you know, the Christian nature of the university is very successfully being being worked into the classes with particular faculty or in particular areas of teaching? I think so. There are many examples, especially for teachers who have gone through the system themselves. Those who have, for example, gone through Daystar. Mm-hmm. The undergraduate in their masters, maybe they have gone out and done their PhDs from elsewhere. But when they come back, they understand the whole concept of uh, integrating faith with the learning that is happening, and they are very passionate. Mm-hmm. I, I have many examples of some who will always start the class with a devotional thought mm-hmm. and get students to think through scripture, align maybe a particular passage of scripture with what they are teaching. For example, they are talking about leadership and they'll have them work through the book of Nehemiah during the semester. So read a, read a little bit of Nehemiah and talk about his leadership and discuss whatever else they have to say about leadership. Mm-hmm. So there are some who truly understand and are committed and take time to think through their content and reflect on what the Bible could be teaching on the same. And there are, there are many examples. Of course, there are others who may be in a hurry to <laughs> complete their syllabus and teach the technical content mm-hmm. uh, without wanting to put in too much uh, from other literature. Right. So would, would all of your students be Christian or most of them? Or? Most of them are. Uh, initially, Daystar University used to admit uh, those who profess uh, faith. They would even get recommendation letters written by their pastors. Mm-hmm. But over time, that has changed. Uh, one reason being our new constitution that uh, opens up admission to all universities for all students. And a second thing that has happened recently is that the government is funding students in private universities. And these students come from all over. Kenya could be from any uh, faith background. And the government pays for them at the private university. Of course, paying the government rates, which are much, much lower. And the private university like this would have to make up for the difference. But anyway, we have students sponsored by government and they could come from any faith. So Mm -hmm. that is posing 
a challenge. So did those two legal changes happen at the same time, the opening up of enrollment and the providing funding for for no. students to attend, or were they two? There were two different pieces of legislation. Mm -hmm. The constitution changed in 2010, and funding of government-sponsored students could have started about five years ago. Okay. Yeah. Huh, interesting. So what are the... What do you, what other things are the particular challenges for you in your context? What What's challenging about running a Christian university in Kenya right now? Because I, I think we, we get used to circling around our own worries and, uh, you know, the things we think are on the horizon politically or socially or economically or, uh, or theologically. Um, what, what do you feel are the particular challenges facing an institution like Daystar at the moment? I think one of them is the training of faculty. Yeah, so that they are better aligned to the mission and vision of the university. There is, I think, a divide between them and their good Christian um, walk with God out there in the churches and in the community. Then they come to the class and they have this material that they must cover and bringing, linking that gap. So how do they naturally flow from their belief system to what they are teaching? So I think that's a challenge, especially those who've not had that kind of a background. And I think, too, is going beyond a devotional kind mm -hmm. of uh, teaching and learning in that I think one could do a devotional thought, but where there's really critical thinking uh, that could could be lucky uh, among some people. Not, not that they would not do it, but they have not had an opportunity. They have mm -hmm. not been challenged enough to integrate the two. So their, their own lives divided into the devotional aspects and the spiritual formation and the intellectual uh, part of, of interacting with the material. So that's a challenge. There's also the other one of real good examples or models of people who would model that kind of a, a belief system and a lifestyle. Is uh, finger pointing. You are saying one thing, but your lifestyle sometimes doesn't reflect what you are talking about. Right. You could be so highbrow about what you are saying, but your day-to-day -day life uh, may not reflect totally what you are talking about, and that's a challenge. How, how do you think the university is viewed by other people in Nairobi? Is it is it is it accepted, respected, seen as marginal? Wait, where, where does where does a Christian university fit into the larger education landscape, cultural landscape? Is it a strange thing? Is it a normal thing? Um, how do how do you think other groups in Nairobi see Daystar? I think it's a viewed as a normal thing and something that is expected, because statistically there. Are Maybe some people have figures of up to 80% of the population is Christian. So Christian parents have uh, expectations of a Christian university, and they, they appreciate the fact that there's such a university, and there are a number of them in Nairobi. The fact that uh, their children, so-called, uh, will go to a place where they are supported in the faith that they have been taught in their homes uh, that is always encouraging to Christian parents. They want a place where they can feel safe, that their young people can be founded more in the faith, that there will be opportunities for them to express that faith in music, in drama, in mission. 
So that that is expected. And there are people who are very, very, very supportive of Christian universities. They have a place, especially those who have had a background in the church, in Christian primary schools, maybe some in church-sponsored secondary schools. So when they go to a Christian university, they believe that their young people have a better chance of survival in terms of the forces of secularism. So they are happy to support. Would, would very many of your students have been through Christian elementary, secondary schools before coming to the university? At least many of them would have come through church-sponsored schools, mm-hmm. uh, secondary level. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe not too many elementary school, but Christian talk, Christian conversation, Christian uh, worldview in a way is, is pervasive even up to very high government places. Um, mm-hmm. When the president speaks or the deputy president, they will ask for prayer openly, and it's expected. All meetings, nearly all meetings, begin with prayer at, at all levels. And even if it is national days, you have prayers. Uh, you have a traditional African prayer said, a Muslim prayer said, a Christian prayer said, and that's the norm. So if you go ahead and say we are teaching from a Christian perspective, there isn't anyone really fighting. Of course, there are people who would not think that it is proper, but the majority would accept that that's a, a position that is uh, that reflects society and reflects the desire of society. What, what drew you into Christian higher education? Um, I started off as a campus minister. Uh, sharing the gospel to with students mm-hmm. in the universities, but I was not trained, and um, I heard about Desta, and I went to Desta only to find that they were starting their communication program at mm-hmm. the undergraduate, and so that's where I started, and then later on for masters I did Christian ministries, so that I could better minister in the campuses, only for Desta. In fact, the then president asked me, you're interested in Christian ministries, student ministries. Here we have students at Desta, so just stay on. Mm-hmm. And I did for many, many years and uh, happy to do so. So that's what drew me to, to the university. The fact that I'd already work, started working as a Christian campus minister. So I got more and more deeply involved with mm-hmm. students and their Christian work. Have you seen any changes over that time in what students are wrestling with and need help with? I think so. Some of it has to do with the influence of media, the the urban lifestyle, the fact that some of them now come from families that are able to afford an education, as opposed to earlier times when very few of them would have parents who could afford to pay university so they were more hard working in my view they were more focused they didn't have a fallback position economically but now we have a generation that has a fallback position they see their parents can afford to pay the fees for most of them there's some of them may be looking at the side and thinking maybe there will be something for me from my parents as opposed to the earlier kind of profile of students and there's a lot of secularism, a lot of materialism in the students' lifestyles. They, are, they have new models, uh, people that they think they ought to imitate. 
as opposed to earlier times. And of course, even learning is easier or there's more material for them. So they don't ha always have to pay attention in class. They know they can Google up right. whatever they missed. Uh, so that's a different kind of a profile of a student compared to the earlier days of university life. It's interesting to, to think of the parallels because we, we, we've just been doing some research at the Kaiser Institute where we spent time in some local Christian schools doing observations and interviews and focus groups. And one of the things we found was that parents were quite worried because the students were getting laptops and phones and, and, and so on that students might be accessing pornography or um, violent material or other kinds of inappropriate material. But what uh, very few people were noticing or talking about was that the, the the most frequent abuse of technology that we saw in classrooms was students sitting shopping on their laptops while the class was going on yeah. <laughs> and uh, and and so the, the materialism that you're naming here right the, the the sense of just sort of focusing on on consumption on mm. on on possessions and so on was was quite widespread and yet almost wasn't perceived as much as as much of a threat because you know the 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 website where you buy shoes didn't seem like as much of a moral threat as the pornography site or the <laughs> the social media environment so it sounds like you're seeing some of the same kind of challenges in terms of how do we deal with just sort of basic consumerism and materialism as threats to students investment in christian learning we also have um, another one betting that one has come on recently uh, maybe last two years where students are betting, they are b b borrowing money, and with the kind of uh, lending systems we have, even on mobile phones, they borrow money to bet, and of course it's addictive right. and uh, detrimental, in my view, to their learning and their growth as persons. In fact, even their worth, work ethic uh, gets, I think, destroyed by that kind of quick money, those who win. And I'm sure there are not very, very many who win all those things that they're supposed to win. So there's, there's a challenge. Uh, some parenting, that's the other challenge that I see, that uh, the very firm foundations that homes provided being shaken. We have uh, people from broken families, uh, single parent families, especially single mothers families. So you have... Um, young men growing up and they don't have father figures around them and that's a challenge that ought to be addressed by the education uh, that we are giving them mm -hmm. and those numbers on the increase in the student profile sometimes i go through the files and i look at who they name as the parent and more often than not in fact i've been wanting to do a study is a, is a mother so that does something in terms of the foundations that are laid in the home. And hopefully the education system, if we were to counter that, we need to be saying something or doing something. One of the programs that has helped at uh, Daystar is um, Man Enough, a Christian program aimed at helping boys become men in, in, in the modern society. Traditional society had very clear steps of how that transition takes place, how one transits from being a boy to a man. But uh, modern Africa, modern in modern cities, that is missing. So Desta has a pastor come in and there's a big program and they go through discipleship, they're taught all sorts of things and there's a graduation 
um, in the, in that sense. And I think that's uh, the kind of learning that helps them to fill in the gaps that modernity has brought in. So it's, so it's quite person intensive, right? It's not just giving them the right information, but it's providing the mentoring and the... Yes. Um, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Having models, other role models come in and talk with them. So I think it's a, it's a very good program. What, what are you excited about right now? What do you, what do you see good coming on the horizon that's, uh, that, that's developing? A greater understanding of Christian higher education, a greater commitment to it because of the values that it brings into the learning situation. I see people wanting to do more research. I particularly would want to do some research and understand how it can better be done and learn from the best, those who have uh, done it for many, many years. And I see change and transformation and exciting things happening. For example, chaplaincy at the university being very engaged. I've seen what has, hap what, uh, has happened in Esther, for example. We had this last week, the pastor, young lady in one of our campuses after a good message ask those who would wish to commit their lives to Christ to do so. That that was new. And she did it very nicely and asked people to make a commitment to Christ so that there would be new beginnings in their life. And I thought that was excellent. We had a, a whole day of prayer. Uh, some, we always have a whole day of prayer once a semester. And the students shared, some students shared about what God had done in their lives from a life of addiction to a new life in Christ. Very powerful testimony because other students could identify with what this student who had had to be kicked out of university for something has come back and is completing his studies. And he was able to say love and affirmation and Christian teaching has brought this transformation in his life. And he's willing to tell others uh, not to be carried away by what they are seeing in the media, but to stick to the faith of their fathers and mothers. And really, in a way, they were saying, walk the path of faith mm -hmm. and you'll not regret. So for me, that was powerful. And I see that happening more and more uh, in the university. Very good. How can we pray for your work? That I may have... <laughs> strength and wisdom and courage uh, to do what I know needs to be done for the individual students and for the university and for the country. Well, I hope the people listening will join me in praying for, for the fruitfulness of, of your work at, uh, at Daystar. We really appreciate, appreciate you being here for the, uh, for the conference. It's a long journey to come and share your expertise with us um, and to engage in some, some dialogue around this. I'm, I'm struck by many of the, the, the commonalities and the, you know, the concerns at your university and the things we talk about here yes. uh, about, about changing student identities and, uh, and, and cultural pressures and, and just sheer workload and training faculty and, and so on. So, uh, yeah, we, uh, we all need all the help we can get with those things. So, yeah. I yeah. appreciate the visit, the refreshment that has come as a result of by being around here, learning and hearing what uh, others are doing uh, for the cause of Christ. Very good. Well, thank you for talking to us. It's been good to learn a little about another place that's involved in the same mission. Yes. Thank you. You're welcome.
You've been listening to the Faith in Teaching podcast from the Kaiser Institute for Christian Teaching and Learning at Calvin University. Learn more at www.pedagogy.net. <laughs>